Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccan. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Here are the facts. This is a two-part episode. Uh, you know, we get into a lot of rabbit holes. Sometimes we, we spelunk a little bit deeper than we had originally reckoned, and this is one of those cases. So before you do anything else, if you have not listened to part one of Cannibals and Conspiracy what happened to Michael Rockefeller? Get thee to that episode and then join back with us uh, because we have so much more strange stuff to explore. Yes, but what you need to know for this episode, Michael Rockefeller, son of Nelson Rockefeller, of the line of Rockefellers from John D. Rockefeller, the Standard Oil guy. He, the Rockefeller Rockefeller. The one. Uh, he went missing in New Guinea after going on a trip on November 17th, 1961, and this whole episode, this whole series, is about what happened to him. And here's where the story stops being polite and starts getting real. Actually, here's where it gets crazy. So let's look at some of these theories in depth. We've been talking about them. Let's laundry list them out and, and row through them. Drowning, okay, it makes sense, right? That Miles long swim, that's tough, even if you have some improvised flotation. We talked about that. People don't want to necessarily hear stories about mundane deaths. They want something juicier, dare we say more exotic. Well, it's also, you know, there was almost a need to find someone to blame. You know, I mean, mm. people like the Rockefellers mm. to many uh, in the United States were like superheroes and they didn't want to think that they were this vulnerable. And honestly, as, as you know, um, 
admirable, I guess, as as uh, as Michael's path was. It's a little embarrassing. The idea of like you know you died of drowning, you know, because your boat flipped over. It's it's you know what I mean. It's, it doesn't have the same uh, headline grabbing cachet and also divisiveness as something like was devoured by cannibals. These heathens, you know what I mean. Things like that. Yeah, and that, uh, by the way, was a conjecture, uh, a pretty heavy conjecture, the possibility that he was, in fact, killed by local members of one of the communities, that he made it to shore, he got offshore, and somebody was not happy to find him, uh, you know, on in their, in their area. There's a journalist named Milt Macklin, who just a few years after this whole thing went down, I think eight years after, uh, he traveled out to the area because he had heard some rumors that he wanted to investigate. And he, he went on the same kind of treks that Michael and that documentary crew were going on, uh, that, that Michael and Renee were going on. He did the whole retracing the steps thing, tried to go to several different places where Michael may have ended up to look for almost archaeological evidence that Michael had landed in a certain area. Yeah, he did. And he was doing his level best also. I like I, I don't think he came in there with something performative like a Geraldo Rivera, what's in the safe vibe. Uh, but he did want to see whether there was any sand to the various rumors and all the scuttlebutt that have been making the rounds. He also had been hearing the was something that the public loved because it was quite salacious. The idea that Rockefeller had kind of faked his death and decided to start life anew, living with one of these communities or in a way living above them. Again, the heart of darkness reference was brought up literally like was specifically brought up and they, they you know they would use the phrase uh they would use phrases like he's living like a white god out out there in the wild was that book out that was a that was a yeah. yeah okay heart of darkness came out in 1899 oh wow i did not realize it was that old i guess because po- apocalypse now is modernized take on that story oh yeah yeah for sure and and people are there's a weird fascination right with a curtsy and figure so it makes sense from a folklore perspective, but Macklin, Macklin doesn't find this persuasive. He gets there, he's on the ground, and he's saying, I don't, I'm not finding evidence about this, but I am finding what he says is circumstantial evidence that Michael Rockefeller may have survived to the shore and been murdered. Yeah, and as we know, circumstantial evidence doesn't hold up in court. So this is the guy taking a bit of a of a leap. But what happened? Like, what's his theory? Yeah, well, I mean, well, like we mentioned, this this headhunting stuff and, and cannibalism uh, again wasn't just like I, I I don't know that they would have been just seeking out p- people to sacrifice. It was part of a war ritual, like you were saying, Matt. Uh, it, it was like a cycle of kind of revenge against other tribes. Um, being that Rockefeller does not appear to be part of any tribe and, and you know, does not look that way, I, I do wonder why they might have targeted him. 
uh, for something like this. But uh, let's 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 go on and see. Well, what if the revenge was not against another tribe, but against the colonial powers, the Dutch, ah, that were moving through the area? He certainly mm-hmm. looks like them. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. yeah, for all intents and purposes. That's right. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about that because these folks kind of live on the fringes of this colonialization, but it doesn't seem like at the time they were being heavily persecuted, but there was an awareness of this invading force threatening their way of life, right? Yeah, so here's the logic. If Rockefeller made it to shore, if the jerry cans kept him afloat and buoyed enough to get there and still be alive, he would definitely be exhausted. It wouldn't be his best day you know, uh, and he would have likely arrived in the area of the Otsjenep village, which we are mispronouncing, not native speakers. It's spelled O-T-S-J-A-N-E-P. Solid phonetics pronunciation, Ben. It's the best we can do. <laughs> you know, who needs drugs when you can get hooked on phonics, right? And uh, <laughs> in this, whatever, they got to me. The propaganda got to me. Uh, anyway, in this community at the time, to the point you were making, Matt, uh, that you were making, Noel, like this is a part of a larger cyclical thing. Retribution and then retribution for the retribution unto the first the first people and down to the end of history, right? And so this fits in with Machlin's understanding or his narrative because he says, you know, it wasn't too long ago in 1958, a Dutch colonial patrol killed several leaders in this village. And so, therefore, he says it's possible that Rockefeller was murdered as a form of retribution. And I, I don't know about I don't know about anybody else, but the first time I heard about this story, uh, many younger days, uh, <laughs> I heard it presented as a fact. Like you would read things that said Michael Rockefeller got into this part of the world, uh, and they killed him and they ate him. And it was presented, no questions, no real specifics of what happened past maybe the year, past 1961. When you heard about this story, how did you hear it presented? This one's relatively new to me. I mean, I think I know it as a trope, kind of. Like I said, with the the Looney Tunes and all of that. But um, the specifics of the story are are pretty new to me, Matt. Yeah, I can't tell you where I heard about it, guys. I don't know if it was in a Britannica somewhere where I read about this as just a blurb, uh, if it was one of these like Time Life books that had it as a cautionary tale kind of thing or a mystery. Uh, but I do remember it being stated, basically, this guy went there, he was fascinated with this stuff, but he was killed and he was eaten. And that it was just like, that's what it was. Uh, so be careful of cannibals. Right. And again, Mocklin doesn't come back with proof of this, but is saying, this is what I heard. And there, there's another, there are several sources proposing similar things. There's a guy named Paul Tui who wrote a book called Rocky Goes West. And he says there was an entirely different, distinct search. He says the Rockefeller family 
hired a private investigator. Well, and that's what I was asking about earlier, you know, with all of this uh, press conference stuff that seemed like a lot of just bluster, why didn't they go further? And I know there were search parties and stuff, but you'd think you'd find somebody who was like an expert, you know, who, who could infiltrate this, this part of the world. And so uh, perhaps that did happen, according to this story anyway. And uh, perhaps the family did get some evidence that their son was murdered. Um, this private investigator, according to Rocky Goes West, came back to New York with some skulls uh, that were supposedly um, from white men who had been murdered by the tribe. Yeah. And if, you know, well, maybe maybe somebody out there has heard anything further on this, but to date right now, I've not seen, I don't know if you guys have seen any official response from the Rockefellers about this. Like, did this actually happen? Is this real? That's PR, man. I mean, that, why would they? It's not, it's not in their best interest to get embroiled in any of these kind of discussions. You know, like you said, Ben, families like this value privacy overall, you know? Yeah. And imagine, ima- imagine the waves of unwanted attention that would come through if you, if you said something that was taken out of context, you know what I mean? Then the next headline is uh, insert Rockefeller family member here says something terrible about dead relative. Well, they're business people, you mm, know, that's a very that's good point. damage control. I mean, you do not. There, why comment when you don't have to unless maybe the gr- grieving mother just had just felt compelled to do so. You know what I mean? Or, or father. Um, but they would probably be encouraged or counseled to not. Hmm. Well, and just to put the timeline out there, it's 1969 when Macklin goes and does his exploration, right? Uh, Nelson Rockefeller, Michael's dad, becomes vice president in 1974 and is in office until 1977. So there's that period between governor and vice president you know, when, when this stuff is going down, well, wait, it's, is it 1961 when Michael goes missing? Yes. Okay. So there's quite a bit that Nelson Rockefeller has to lose by bringing this back up because as he's getting further and further into politics and deeper into the executive branch, you know, that's the kind of thing that you just don't want. You don't want to talk about it. If it's just your son, well, I mean, this is messed up you guys, but if it's, just your son that went missing and and probably died that is a that is a story that can help to win the hearts and minds of anybody who might be a voter right because it's so tragic so horrifying to think about it may provide in that voter sympathy for a candidate and it's horrible to think about it in that cold manner but it's true sure but why then the refusal to 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 play that card because of the cultural angle or because of the you know i'm wondering i don't know guys i would speculate that it's it has something to do with being embroiled in international politics with the dutch Mm -hmm. government with some of that stuff i would imagine you know sending a pi over there to discover you know the skull of your child and then bring it home and then never mention it might be a little weird you know yeah history uh the history channel which is not a perfect source, also claimed that the 
or they appeared to support some of Tui's claims. They also claimed that the Rockefellers had a, a reward out for confirmation of what happened to their son to the tune of like $200,000 US or something, and that they paid the PI when he returned to New York. But again, grains of salt. Uh, there, there are still additional sources. There's a third source, the documentary Keep the River to Your Right. Uh, and in this documentary... There's an artist, an anthropologist named, uh, an AIDS activist as well, named Tobias Schneebaum. And Schneebaum says, uh, Schneebaum has lived in this area. It's not just some guy who was working in LA and got pulled in to, to look like he had expertise. This, this guy is a real deal. He was living there and he said, you know, I've spoken with members of this village and they told me that they found this guy, this kid, this 20-year-old uh, Rockefeller on the riverside, and they eventually consumed him. Does that seem like something you'd share with the outsider journalist type fella? <sighs> it's a oh, good yeah, question. we saw him. Yeah, we ate him. Next question. We're going to pause here for a word from our sponsors, and we'll return. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. And we're back. Let's jump right back into the story of what happened to Michael Rockefeller. When we talk about these narratives, we see that multiple people have brought forward some version of that story that they say they heard while they were in country. So Carl Hoffman in 2014, he writes a book called Savage Harvest, 
a tale of cannibals, colonialism, and Michael Rockefeller's tragic quest for primitive art. Breath. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, and he, uh, Hoffman researches the disappearance extensively, and part of his research involves multiple visits to villages and communities in the area. And he says that he keeps hearing various iterations of the same story. People are telling him, look, Michael Rockefeller did make it to shore. Men from this village had a series of internal arguments. And then as a result of their conversations, they killed him. That makes a bit more sense. Maybe they couldn't quite agree on what to do with him. And there became, that became a, a, no pun intended, bone of contention. Um, And then it led to execution. Yeah, and and it all stems back to that little piece we mentioned earlier where there were the colonial powers that came through and killed some members of that group. And then this was in some way retaliation for that. Right, and Hoffman goes a step further along that cycle and says that after Rockefeller's murder or death, A cholera epidemic went through the area and community members believed that this was in turn retribution for killing Rockefeller. And then Hoffman also does something fascinating. Hoffman uncovers the correspondence of that priest we mentioned earlier, Cornelius Van Kessel. Yeah, this is the this is the missionary guy who actually goes through. And knows a lot of the people, a lot of the Osmot people. And this guy asserts that warriors from that Otschenep village where Michael, you know, would have probably come on shore had he made it to shore, uh, had actually killed and devoured Rockefeller. So it's this one guy who knew things, who can actually go around and actually talk to people at the time when Michael Rockefeller is being searched for, has written out that this is the story. So we've got a couple of accounts then that seem relatively uh, reliable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because, okay, okay, so just imagine it this way. Van Kessel's part of the Catholic Church. Am I incorrect in that? I believe that is correct. He's a part of the Catholic Church. He has, uh, there are other ministers who are kind of embedded within some of these tribes who also take some notes, right, and send, uh, send information back to uh, the Catholic church that's there in, you know, in country and then sends it back to the larger Catholic church. Also, they're communicating with the Dutch government. That's at least according to the author here, Carl Hoffman, who was uh, speaking in a BBC little, one of those three minute blurb videos, right? In promotion Mm -hmm, for a book. mm -hmm. And he's talking about how there were at least two pieces of correspondence from ministers that ha- that stated pretty much unequivocally that Michael was killed and eaten by this tribe. Yeah, yeah. This seems like hard confirmation, right? And then Hoffman goes further and says uh, some Dutch colonial officials obtained not just a skull, but other bones that they thought belonged to Michael Rockefeller. And these were, you know, the next step would be to test these in some way, but they disappeared. The remains were gone before they there was any kind of test or investigation, which means there was possibly a cover up afoot or perhaps just gross incompetence, but possibly a cover up afoot. And the next what question would be What if the PI why, got it? What if the PI got it? Right. And what if the Rockefeller said this is the personal closure we need and we don't need to go public? We don't mm. need to explain ourselves. Possible, again, but no proof. And 
there's another piece here, which uh, you alluded to earlier, Matt, which is if there were a motivation on the Dutch side to cover this up, what would it be? Hoffman has an argument, and his argument is essentially that as the Netherlands was leaving the area, they wanted, it was very important to them to make it seem as though they left it better, it, like in a better state, as though their, improve, their presence had improved it somehow. PR, once again, yeah, mm. for sure. Um, the, again, because this idea of civilizing people, you know, who were seen as others, like you said, Ben, that was sort of, you know, their goal, uh, or at the very least, the, their PR goal <laughs> to, to make it seem like that was the case. Yeah, and, and having one, you know, the child of one of the most prominent human beings on the planet killed and, and potentially eaten, it's probably not a good look. For them. On your watch, right? Mm. And then also, if you, what what do you do? How do you apply the legal system there, right? Uh, and would a like, let's say, it goes to European style court structure, and then people are found guilty of murder and they're sentenced to death. How is that not seen as something that that just is another part of this cycle? Right. That triggers another reprisal and on and on and on. So how would they and then also how would they navigate the sensitivities of a very powerful uh, family in, in the United States? And Hoffman, again, does a lot of digging here. And there's a spot where Hoffman is talking or a moment, I should say, where Hoffman's talking to a friend of the family, a close friend of Mary Rockefeller, the twin. And this person tells Hoffman. The family refuses to believe any version of the story beyond Michael's drowning. Yeah, and that's, you know, may well be a PR line of its own um, if we are to believe the skull story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, hold up. Let's take a quick break uh, right here in the story and hear a word from our sponsors, and then we'll be right back. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Okay, guys, what's next? Don't want to spoil the ending of Hoffman's book. If you're interested in this story, it's very much worth your time to pick up a copy. Uh, but there's there's this New York Times review about it, which you can read online as well. We, we got a quote here that doesn't entirely spoil Hoffman's experience, but I think it, it will at least give the vibe. Yeah, toward the end of the book, um, this is yeah from the from the New York Times review. Toward the end of the book, he ventures up the Owatawa River, hoping to live within the community for a month and somehow elicit a confession. But Hoffman gets the cold shoulder and senses that the villagers are guarding a terrible secret, as he makes clear in this gripping book. Keeping the real story buried may have been the safest choice for everyone involved. Yeah, the italics are ours there, which you could hear. It, it knows beautiful rendition of this, but, uh, but that's still pretty powerful. And there's one quotation in particular that I think stands out to Hoffman and will stand out to readers of the book. That's still not the, the, the last theory, right? The one some of us have been waiting for. What if, in, what if he didn't drown? What if he didn't get murderized? Uh, what if he joined a community in the area? And that's something that, Leonard Nimoy talks about on In Search Of. Do we have the sound cue for that? We can't afford it. There we go. Leonard Nimoy talks about this. And they don't have proof. But then there's another piece of video footage that comes from a National Geographic photographer named Malcolm Kirk. Uh, filmed this in the area in 1971. It is epic. It's like hundreds of uh, hundreds of people from these communities, and they're rowing as groups on their boats. And they've got the, they've got weapons. They're uh, shooting some ceremonial arrows and stuff. And it's um, I'm not sure of a better word than epic. It's a lot of people. It's it's a serious serious display of power from these communities. And if you look at the footage just for a second, for some folks, this, this footage alone is like a smoking gun that proves Rockefeller is alive. I don't know. So we're playing this footage. Could we describe it for our fellow conspiracy realists? Absolutely. Let's do this. Um, we are seeing a long line of what looks like boats uh, or like small boats, you know, where there are people standing up uh, rowing the boats as they're standing. Okay, so they're zooming in now, and oh, it's, it's a still. Oh, my goodness. Is that a white dude on the boat? It looks like a Caucasian man with something on his head. Uh, he's got a beard. It looks a lot like Michael Rockefeller. It's only a little bit of footage, but... Whoa. He, he like, joined... Maybe he joined them. And to get away... Is that the implication? That's the implication. That's the theory. And how much further could you go with that not wanting to be, you know, that silver spoon kind of, you know, person? Yeah. 
that's wild, and it makes a lot of sense. If if he could even convince the people to to allow him to to be part of it, you know, could you imagine what it would take? It's like some dances with wolves, right there, man. I it's, mean, I mean, but that's if the footage is true. Oh, I know, you know? I know, but I just yeah, I love but, this as a story element. Right, it's right, incredible. Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> the footage, idea. the footage. I want to believe it. The footage is real. It's whether or not it's good. The footage, figure yeah. is Michael Rockefeller, right? Right. It's not a deep fake, but it, it could be a person with albinism, maybe. Yeah, there. Oh, that's but but the beard thing. They, they say like the they don't wear beards. I mean it. It's it's fascinating to me, and I'm look. If I was going to go down that rabbit hole, I would say what had Michael Rockefeller at the age of twenty experienced living at that level of privilege, living within that family, right? Like what had he maybe experienced that made him want to escape it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, and. And uh, he was only 23 at the time, right? Uh, and he was... How much later was this footage taken? This footage was taken in 1971. So, so it would not, have been 10 years. Okay, 10 years. So it would have been 33. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, this is a... a this, that checks out. That clocks for the look of this fellow. He looks to be in his early to mid-30s. And living like that, would make a person's body change, you know? I mean, weathered, you know what I mean? Just living out in the elements like that. I mean, I, eh, what if, I'm chilled. What if what really happened, guys, is the Rockefellers okay. sent that PI down there, and mm-hmm. the PI found Michael and tried to convince Michael to come back, and he just said no. And <laughs> no. his village, you know, the people in his village were like, you're not taking this guy. Get out of here. <laughs> here's some skulls. Never come back. This is our dude. Yeah. Here's some skulls. Oh, you can take oh, these here's back. A, here's a cover story. Tell you your tell family them. that he's dead. Oh. Or that could have been from Michael himself, you know? I mean, he's like, this is, this is like, talk about faking your own death. I mean, how else? You, the, the, the plot would have to be so elaborate for a person of that stature. To be mm-hmm. able to fake their own death. And and you know what I mean? That's to commit that pseudocide. That's tough. But I, I have this vision, you know, I, I think a lot of the curtsy and the apocalypse now is so cool, but I think a lot of the, the curtsy and heart of darkness stuff has a lot of problems. Yeah. That it's being like white said, savior kind of stuff. You know? yeah. But that being said, I can't get it out of my head this moment of like the guy looking up from the darkness behind a tree yeah. and going <laughs> There is no Michael. Yes, only Michael. Well, 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 but but remember, Michael had this fascination with the tribe, and in particular with the wood carving, right? The the Osmot people, and like he he was so personally fascinated with it. If he did want to become a part of that group, what if he did did just want to be? Look, I am not in any way above you. I want to be with you at that level. That makes more sense. I want to, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. join in. And what do I need to do? Can that I? That person is, this even is just a in the rowers, in the ranks of the rowers. He's not being carried on a freaking palanquin or whatever the hell those things right. are called. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's just among them and 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 contributing to this team rowing effort. That's not what a white god would do. You know, right. And this this goes like so this is one of the fascinating sticking points of this story. Again, we we ask you to check out the footage. Uh, It is one person definitely looks different from the rest. That's fair to say. But who is that person? 
and why does their why their appearance? You know, uh, those are questions that have yet to be answered. There was no follow up interview with this person. Nobody nobody stopped the the boat and said, "Okay, everybody." names and tell me, tell us what you're about. What's your thing? Uh, was, were any one of you once upon a time from New York? You know what I mean? None of that. Uh, so this is this one moment, this one bright moment. If Michael Rockefeller was alive today in 2023, he would be 85 years old. And like Henry Kissinger, his birthday is in May. Mm. I don't know why I said that. Like that was wow. some big rev- bookend. It's not. Kissinger. I don't want to. I don't want to leave this yet, you guys. I, I'm. I'm still trying to game it out because imagine. Imagine you're Nelson Rockefeller. It's 1971. Okay. Uh, you know, you are a political figure now. Let's say you wanted to get your son back, despite your son's wishes. So you, kidnap like, him back. What, right? You what you would have to send a team in to somehow kidnap him. Like, get to that area, find him, get him, take him out of that area, and get him on a plane and send him home. Imagine what that scenario could trigger. That would be an international incident, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. even if they were mercenaries, they were pro- they're probably ex-U.S. you know US military mercenaries, or you would hire, I don't know, uh, mercenaries within country, mercenaries from another neighboring country. Or if they wanted to be really clever, hire members of a rival tribe uh, to, to make it seem like a legitimate, retro, uh, you know, um, what's the word? Revenge kidnapping or revenge killing or whatever. There's ways you could do it. I don't know. It would just, I, I imagine that you would, you would do the calculus of that move and say, well, I can't. Like, we can't. No doubt. You just got to let him be. Yeah, yeah, there there that's the thing. We're all we're imagining. And that's, that's why this yeah. became yeah, a two-part episode, folks, because we we wanted to spend the time on this. Uh we didn't want to just blaze through the facts. There's so many threads to pull here. There's so many rabbit holes to go down and we want to know your thoughts. Uh what happened to Michael Rockefeller? Do you know? Can you tell us? Are you are you texting each other? Uh, <laughs> like, what do you think? Which of the theories that uh, that we've explored today do you think are most likely, and why? Is there some other intervening variable or piece of the story that needs to be addressed in further detail? Let us know. And if it's not him, who's that white dude on the boat? <laughs> I mean, that in and of itself, that is just, you know, uh, that is fascinating because that guy's got to have a story. You think it's definitely a white dude? I do. With the, with the way the beard looks and, mm. I mean, just the way it's so standout. And even the build is different. The, the build of the person's body is different. That's why we saved the video for the end, right? Uh, folks, do please watch this. We're very conscious this is an audio podcast. But, yeah, watch the video, right? And yeah. like Noel was saying, tell us. Yeah. Well, and get a hold of Savage Harvest if you can because there's a lot of mm-hmm. great information in there. Yeah, it's a great read. And so you might be saying, well, how do I contact you? I, I think I've got some ideas uh, and I want to get to I want to get to you before you all disappear. Well, fortunately, right now, it's very easy uh, and we love to hear from you wherever you are in this big, big world of ours. 
let us hear from you. You can reach us on uh, yeah, your social media flavor of choice. We are Conspiracy Stuff on Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook, where we have our Facebook group. Uh, here's where it gets crazy. Uh, join your fellow conspiracy realists there for all kinds of riveting chat uh, around this particular episode, perhaps. Um, we are Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram and TikTok, which we're doing some stuff on there. We're making moves for the Xennials. Check out our TikTok. Give us a call, too. You can do that. 1-833-STDWYTK. When you call in, give yourself a cool nickname. We don't care what it is. You've got three minutes. Say whatever you'd like. Just make sure to include whether or not we can use your voice and message on one of our listener mail episodes. Uh, make a TikTok video of yourself leaving a voicemail on our system. That would be fun. I'm sure they would get lots and lots of spins on the old tiki-talkies. Uh, yeah, maybe it'll become a trend. Yeah. Uh, if you don't want to do any of that stuff, why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Attention, true crime enthusiasts. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.